was a nymph, one of Apollo's lovers. And in music, an aria is a self-contained piece for one voice. Hello, I am Serene B. Arias, and this is my voice. Each week on Arias, we explore a tiny slice of being human. I'm so glad you've decided to take this time with me. This week's episode is a personal one where I'll invite you to travel back with me to the early years of my first marriage, to young love, the drama, and the pain of it, in order to explore together the unbelievable wealth of opportunity that's pregnant inside of what we tend to just call a fight. When we fight, we hold our ground, we get triggered. that triggering is actually a way to drop into those things that are most important to us. It's an incredible opportunity to get to know ourselves and our mate. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is called the good fight. You can read the written version at serene.medium.com. Now let's get to our story. I was 25. I had been married for two years and I was curled up on the couch crying. He had just stormed out mid-sentence, with no explanation as to where he was going and when he'd be back. Moments earlier, he said exhausted, if it's going to hurt this much, I just can't. I hated conflict. The fact that I was conflict-averse was a huge part of why, at 23, I had chosen to marry him, a man who was the polar opposite of my rageful father. He was gentle. I knew that he'd never pin me to a wall as my dad had, screaming hate into my tearful eyes. He was not capable of such things. We dated long distance for six years before getting married, and during that time, I unleashed my arsenal of communication tools on our relationship, with the aim of keeping things steady. But if you've been in love, you know, Relationships are not steady. Young love is messy. It's a passionate roller coaster, for better and for worse. Relationships are a natural phenomena among social species which is to say, they're rife with conflict. Just as in nature, where there is proximity, there is always a negotiation for resources and power. In other words, there's always conflict. It is the means by which natural systems drive towards homeostasis. It is part of the design, 
here on planet Earth. A poignant example of this unfolds in our bones and muscles every time we really use them. When working out, we create tiny tears in our muscle tissue. It is the repair of those tears that builds muscle mass. The same is true with our bones. Through exertion, we stress our skeletal system, stimulating bone destruction. In so doing, we force our bones to produce fresh, more vital cells, which keep us strong and help us to stand tall. In our muscles or our bones, we might be okay with things tearing and breaking down in order to build durability. But in a relationship, it can hurt like mad. Fighting is exhausting. The more we love our partner, the more conflict can feel existentially threatening. As we live with and love one another, the question, who am I without you, looms larger. The closer we draw to our mates, the more inclined we are to fight with them, and the more that fighting can feel like it's tearing us apart. That day when he stormed out, we were being torn apart. I thought that the pain of it just might kill me. He had become my heir, the keeper of my heart and my dreams. He did come back after a few excruciating hours, but I had already made up my mind. He had been clear. If it is going to hurt this much, I just can't. No problem, I thought. I would simply not allow things to unravel to such an extent that they would, as he said, hurt this much. I would make sure we avoided waters as turbulent as the ones in which we had been drowning. It was the only way to survive. Fifteen years later, I ended that marriage, stable though it was. If I could go back and give that young girl a hug and talk some sense into her, here is what I would tell her. Everything on earth is either growing or dying, people most of all. The choice I made that day to prevent things from ever spinning that far out of control was practically speaking a choice to seal my heart. To succeed, I had to stop wanting in order to avoid disappointment. And I had to stop needing in order to avoid a pain that was even worse. Eventually, I had to stop really being me as not to threaten him or trigger him. I considered the choice grow or die. And I chose die because it was so much less messy. Here on planet Earth, Relationships are people incubators. They are our opportunity to learn and grow, held in a context of love. While certain kinds of growth can happen over time or on our own, 
Our most fertile ground for learning is within relationship. But such learning requires courage. To do it, we have to be willing to cease to be who we've been so that we might become something more. It took moving to the Middle East, where folks regularly yell loudly at one another to transform my understanding of conflict. The shift happened one day, in the mall of all places, in a conversation with a woman whose name I never knew. All she did was yell at me, but her words changed my life. I had been living abroad long enough to be comfortable in the language and to begin to really understand the people. When one day, I found myself lost in the mall. Naive American that I was, I decided to ask for help. Can you help me find the cell phone outlet? I asked. What are you, stupid? She yelled. You just walked right past it. I paused, breathless, hastily applying the skills of cultural translation that I had honed during my first years in this new home. I did not become defensive or upset. I did not yell back, I'm not stupid, you're stupid, as the child in me was tempted to do. I just stood still. If you've traveled in places that are less polite than the typical ways of being in the US or the UK, you know where this story is headed. The woman meant no offense. Her outburst was just her opener. What followed were directions, then advice, first about shopping, and then about life. She yelled because she cared. What clicked for me on that mundane day at the mall is that the clerk yelled at me because she cared about me. It would have been much simpler for her to refrain from giving me directions at all, to say that she didn't know or to busy herself with her work. Her aggression was unpleasant, but it was all about her. It had absolutely nothing to do with me. The same is true within intimate relationships. The explosive aspects of conflict are not about us, and they are not the end of the story. Quite the opposite. They are the loud, uncomfortable beginning of a sacred process. Growing up with an emotionally abusive father, I learned to equate conflict with the moment of explosion that can often initiate it. But that is not the essence of conflict. Conflict is what naturally arises between two parties who share space and resources. It is the organic way we renegotiate position and power. Conflict can only happen between people who care. Its very presence is proof of care. Since learning this life lesson on that mundane day at the mall, I view all conflict differently, most especially those that arise with my love. There is so much between us, needs and passion, hopes and dreams, shared space 
and shared resources. Now when sparks fly between us, I know that they are the signs of our growth, not of our demise. Love outside of family is incredibly unnatural. Making space in one's life for someone who doesn't already have a place there is incredibly unnatural. Things need to be rearranged. Matter needs time and space to reconstitute. Tiny tears that strengthen the fabric in the end. Now, whenever I face conflict, here are some of the things I try to keep in mind. When things explode, first I pause and count to 10. An explosive beginning to a fight is usually not about you. If your partner has blown up, count to 10 before reacting to give yourself the option of having the conversation differently. Two, have your own back. You have the right to feel however it is you might be feeling, even if your love feels differently. Believe in yourself, your feelings, and your view of the situation. If you don't have your back, who will? Three, Make space. Productive fighting takes time and space, and you might not have it in the moment that something arises. Sometimes you need to make a date to have a productive fight. So do that. Take the time. Say, I hear you. This is important to me, but I don't have the bandwidth right now. Can we talk about it tonight? Can we talk about it this weekend? I care about you and I want to make space for this. Four, take space. If you know that you need to calm down in order to fight productively, ask your partner for a time out. Be sure that it's time bound and that you have agreement before leaving the room. Had my young, young ex been able to say to me, this is like feeling like too much for me. I'm going to go for a walk for an hour and then I'll come back. It would have made all the difference. Five, fake it till you make it. Embody the vibe that most supports the outcome you are hoping for in the conversation. Before diving in, ask yourself what you're hoping to get out of it and set the tone that most supports those outcomes. If you're looking for consensus, adopt a tone that projects respect for your partner's views. If you're looking for love, be loving. Six, know your own needs. It is your job, not your partner's, to know what you need to feel safe and heard. Perhaps not being interrupted is important to you, or a loving hand on the knee while you're sharing. Whatever it is, know what you need, and don't be afraid to ask for it. Seven, be curious. 
When you're being met with pushback from your partner, it is because they are holding ground. Why? What is it that they want you to know or to hear about where they're coming from? Eight, listen, listen, listen. Sometimes the kindest thing we can do is to give the gift of our listening. If you're feeling emotional, confused or overwhelmed, just stop and listen. Give yourself time and space and give your partner this gift. Nine, speak your truth. The hidden opportunity in a fight is that both parties are fired up and therefore in touch with what matters to them. Don't keep that a secret. Trust your love. Trust yourself. Speak up. Speak your truth. 10. Make up sex. There's nothing sweeter than holding your love close after sticking it out together during a fight that has been respectful and fair. So enjoy it. Make space for coming back together after holding your separate ground. Now that I know this wisdom, it proves true for me again and again. I still don't much love conflict. I still cry sometimes and still suffer if my love pulls away when I wish we'd draw close. But all of that discomfort is so worth the reward. Holding one another in love, what I have might have once called a fight, I now view as our most fertile opportunity for growth. When he holds his ground, it is my best chance to know him, to hear what's important to him. When I hold mine, I feel my own strength, and I know that its source is deep within me, not in his loving of me. When we come back together, our love has been cleansed by any tears we've shed, each of us having more space to be and to breathe, thanks to the fight. The conflict is the proof that we are thriving and connected, that we love one another. There's no doubt that we human beings are narrative creatures. We love our stories, weaving them, hearing them and telling them. But sometimes the deep truth of a thing is suspended between the words. Sometimes it's poetry that can say it best. So before we let you go today, here's a poem that's resonant with the themes of today's episode. Aging by Serene Villarias. By the time I'm 80, I'll finally be vegan. 
by 85, a dancer, wild and free. By 143, I'll stand firm like a tree, stretching without apology towards only my son. At 189, I won't eat or sleep much anymore. I see myself there, a tortoise, slow and wise. Yes, I'll say, slight grin, wrinkled eyes. Yes, I recall that there from long ago. Oh, the drama, back when time passing gave texture to the way things seemed. Things are so much quieter now, I'll reflect at 199. So much life lived, tasting, trying, wet tears long spent. At 267, all of life will be touch. Soft hands of great, great, great grandchildren, their laughter at play. I will be only my smile then, hands and a smile, just touching and blessing. At 294, perhaps I'll grow tired of this long-held illusion that there is you and I, that we find ourselves only right here and right now, that aging and loving are not one and the same. By the time I'm 300, I might be ready to fly. That's it for today on Arias. You can read this episode in the form of an essay at serene.medium.com. If you enjoy listening, buy me a coffee at coffee.com slash serene. This has been my voice. I hope you'll share yours with me. Hop on over to anchor.fm slash serene to send me a voice message about something that this episode stirred in you. And I will see you next week on Darius. Thank mm-hmm. you.